okay, this is pretty unique. And uh, our guest on Bull in the Basement in this episode isn't someone that is actually, well, I don't think you are. You've gotten a little bit more notoriety in the last couple of weeks. Uh, so famous, mm, I don't know. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but she's super cool. And uh, we met years ago when I was doing radio and she had this awesome viral video up of her and some of her coworkers dancing in the airport. Jackie Balls are Deschamps. Did I say it right? Yeah, Jackie. Balzer's my maiden name, but Jackie Deschamps. Yeah. Deschamps. Okay. Um, <laughs> join us now. So great to have you on. I know we talked a little bit before we started recording that you used to do actually a, a podcast and that you missed it and you were like excited to kind of do one again. So cool. I'm glad you're guesting on this one. Um, and there's a lot of reasons behind it. But um, first of all, tell us a little bit about what you did that got my attention because it went viral all over social media and how we air quotes sort of first met. All right. Well, first of all, I love the 80s, anything 80s, music videos, et cetera. So sometimes at work, I work at the airport. I work for Southwest Airlines. We have some downtime. And so I decided let's let's make a music video. So we had uh, recorded a video to Whitney Houston's I Want to Dance with Somebody. And it took us probably six months to make this. Uh, got everyone involved. It was really fun. And we put it on YouTube and it was starting to go viral. It was on the news. And um, we were all super excited. And then unfortunately, <laughs> uh, headquarters got wind of this video and um, they just asked us to take it down just because we didn't have like copyrights to the music and, you know, companies trying to protect themselves, which I get. But that's how I think you found me. We were going to discuss it on the radio at the time. And then it just fell through. Yeah. And it was super cool because like you said, you had like you guys involved, you had the baggage handlers. I think you had some pilots. Like it, it was, it was really super cool and really neat. And it was getting huge numbers. And we we're like, yes, this is in Buffalo. This is super cool. Anyway. So that's how that we met. And then you, I ended up following you along social media and I see and watch how you're a runner and how you are sort of evolving as a runner and you're starting to do marathons and a couple here and a couple there. And then we talked a little bit and I was like, can I do a marathon? And you're like, of course you can, you should train and da, da, da. And then I, that kind of fell apart. So recently you were on um, social media talking about the Boston Marathon and the fact that you did it a couple of weeks ago and there was a crazy story behind it, which we're gonna talk about. Um, the, the, the night before, the morning of, the race itself, who you were running on behalf of, all of this. So we're going to talk about the Boston Marathon in a second. But let's get to you and your running, because the podcast that you used to do was a running podcast. So for you, like, were you a runner, like, all through high school and, and in your early uh, young adulthood? Uh, or is this just something you kind of took up to get in shape or whatever? Or were, and or were, like, marathons, like, the ultimate goal for you? Like, you always wanted to do one. So first of all, back to high school, I wasn't really, I don't want to say I wasn't an athlete. I wasn't a good athlete. I'm very, very <laughs> average at everything I do. I've always said that. I'm like super average. Um, I was a cheerleader for like fifth to ninth grade and I'm just not competitive. So once I got to high school cheerleading, we started having competitions. I was like, I don't like this. This isn't for me. Um, so then I joined soccer and I went to O'Hara High School and, and we never won a game. So again, not very competitive, but I had fun. So I always think I'm like a social athlete. I do it more for the socialization of it. And then, you know, graduate high school, um, not very active, start having babies, all that kind. And I think when I was about 35, I was in 2012, 
I actually went to Disney World with some people I met on the internet, which everyone at that time thought I was going to end up on Dateline. <laughs> you know, it was like, what? I'm like, yeah, I'm going to Disney with these internet friends. Like I had never met them. And we had so much fun. Um, and while we were there, we were like, we should do the Disney marathon. And so I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll do it. Like I had never run. But we did say, well, let's do a half marathon first. So we had plans in 2013 to do the Disney half marathon. And so at that point, I went home and I downloaded, I had just got my first Apple iTouch. It wasn't even a phone yet. And they had the app called the Couch to 5K app, where it takes you from sitting on your couch to being able to run a 5K in, I think, maybe eight weeks, might be a little more. And it's funny because it shows up in my Facebook memories. I just saw it today. It said, I just completed week four. And like, I'm just trying to get to a 5K at this point. And, um, and that's kind of where I started. So in 2013, I did my first half marathon in Disney. Disney was kind of um, my, my intro to the run world. It's a little less competitive and people wear costumes. The minimum speed is a lot lower than other races. There's some entertainment along the way. It was definitely a good intro to running. And that's where I also ran my first marathon, which was in 2015. So they say that it can be extremely contagious. Like you can catch the bug once you start doing it and you find some, you know, personal successes. Now I can only speak for myself. Gosh, this was years ago. I, I started running. I hate running. I just think it's the most boring thing on the planet to do. I'm more of an, like a competitive, I want to play a sport. Right. But I got into running and I got to maybe up about four miles a day and it was pretty religious. Like I tried not to miss and then for whatever reason, I fell off the wagon and I haven't gone back, but whatever. So to that point, is, is that kind of a thing, right? Is it contagious? You start doing it and then it's just like, wow, I can't stop. For me, the race is, is what's contagious or addicting, the race day, because you're, you meet so many people and you're with so many friends and you get your medals. It's like, to me, the race day is like the celebration of all those pain in the butt, sucky runs alone around the neighborhood. So I do all those runs to get me to the prize. To me, the prize is race day. So that's that's how I get through it. I'm like, okay, if I get through this. And I've done runs where I don't train as much and it's just not as fun. You hurt. So my goal is always to run race day and not feel like I'm dying. Okay, so let's so. talk about the training um, because right. that's crucial, obviously. Um, you're working up. So obviously you did the Boston Marathon a couple of weeks ago. You got the Buffalo Marathon in what? Memorial Day weekend, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Or there, thereabouts. So is that typical for you, like about two months between races or is it usually longer? And because mm -hmm. you did Boston, are you now sort of in shape? Like you don't, you, you, you'll train, but it may not be as more as vigorous as it might've been for the Buffalo marathon. Yeah. It's usually people don't do marathons that close. Um, people think I'm crazy for doing Buffalo. I had actually signed up for Buffalo before Boston came about. So I was like, Oh, so I'm in like a weird mode right now where I'm trying to like recover from Boston and rest and take it easy. And then maybe I'll have like a week, couple weeks where I maybe amp it up a little, but I won't ever do like a super long run in between the two, but typically you don't, you don't do them that soon together. So in typical training for a marathon, how, how long does it typically take? And, and like, what are the increments of mileage to, you know, get to where you need to be to be ready for race day? I kind of always have this base now because I've just been doing it for so many years. But um, I would say maybe 
four to six months would probably be like a, a normal training cycle, probably four months for me, just because I have that base. So when you start, you know, you always have pretty much like a one long run a week and then a couple short runs and your short runs might be like three to four miles. And then your long runs every week increase from like maybe five to six to seven, you know, you kind of go up each week. Sometimes you'll do like 10 to 12 to 14. I don't typically run more than maybe 22 before a marathon and the marathon's 26. So it's kind of weird. You're running the marathon four miles longer than I've trained, but you still are able to do it. So see, so this is kind of the, the weirdness for me about training for marathons because there was so much time expended in training. So if you're running, you know, four, six, eight miles, that's still an hour and a half, two hours of your day, right? That you have to spend oh, yeah. doing that. And there's probably a little bit of preparation and downtime before and after. And then you get up to 22 miles. Now you're talking, you got to figure out someplace in your busy schedule to put, you know, to put four, four and a half hours to run that. So like, how do you, how do you maneuver your schedule to fit your training in? That's the hard part. And, and working at the airport, my schedule changes every month. You know, most people will do their long runs on a Sunday. I always work Sunday. So I'm like, okay, you got to figure out, I'll get the kids on the bus. Like one of my, my long runs for Boston, I got everybody off to school, got dressed, got ready, and literally ran the whole time they were at school. I came home, showered, and they were already coming back That's home. Amazing. I was like, they're like, what did you do? I was like, I was running all day. <laughs> like they don't, <laughs> and not they errands, don't like actually running. <laughs> yeah, I, like, I just got home and they're like, oh, they're like, you know, want to do something? I'm like, no, I want to rest. <laughs> So it, it's definitely like maneuvering the schedule, um, manipulating it to fit to fit my life. I'm kind of always aware of what my days off are, or try to make sure I have a day off after my long runs so that I get some rest. So yeah, and I'm thankful. My family, thank thank goodness, is kind of used to it now, and they're just like, okay, she's going off. She'll be gone for a while. Well, I'm sure they're very proud of you too. So, what was it like at the finish line for your first marathon like what tell me about the exhilaration of competing that and completing it that one was crazy so my my very first marathon actually was part of what disney calls the goofy challenge so basically on saturday you run a half marathon and sunday you run a full marathon oh my god but, so yeah and they also have a dopey challenge, which I've done, which is like a 5K on Thursday, a 10K on Friday, a half on Saturday, and a full on Sunday. So, like, Disney's crazy in its own right. But um, that race was great because my mom actually went. And so it was my first one. And my mom was at, like, mile 25 just cheering. So, And then I just had friends waiting at the finish. It's just it's such a great feeling. I think that's what the addiction is. Yeah, I mean, what an, it's an incredible accomplishment that, that yeah. most people can't say they've ever done. And most people, I think, aspire to do, but just maybe don't have the fortitude or perhaps, you know, whatever, or maybe the time or whatever it is to, to actually do it. It's really incredible. You should be very proud. Um, so a couple more things before we get to the Boston Marathon, because the story, the entire story about you running the Boston Marathon is really incredible. Um, footwear, how important? Oh, my gosh. That's so important. And everybody asks, like, what shoes should I wear? We're all so different. It's like a fingerprint. Like, you have to see what works for you. I have, like, weird feet. And people are like, you should wear this and that. And I know what works as soon as I put a shoe on. 
of course, sneaker companies discontinued my favorite sneaker. So I had to like find another shoe and it was so hard for me, but it totally makes such a difference. Do you listen to music when you run or do you just kind of take everything in that's going by you? Like what's in, what's between your ears when you're running a marathon? So I combine, and this goes for training runs, especially for training runs. Um, races is pretty much music. Training runs, I alternate. I listen to podcasts and then I sometimes just get like tired of hearing that. So then I'll put music on and then once in a while, I'll actually just have some quiet. When you're out there long enough, you just get sick of anything in your ears. I, it's weird. I listen to true crime podcasts, which is kind of like freaky because sometimes I'm out there at like 4 a.m. in the dark and I'm listening to some like really bad story and I'm like, but it's like, it almost takes my mind off my own suffering. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe I'm weird. Back to your Dateline reference, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. um, yeah. Um, so <laughs> just for me personally, like running, I am always trying to convince myself to stop. <laughs> so like <laughs> what's between my ears is like a big problem. And the other thing too, like if you're running and you're, and, and there's nothing, there's no stimulus other than just your body and what you're seeing. Um, like I hear myself breathing and I, and I, and I hear myself struggling, or at least I think I am. And that's, I think my biggest issue is that I'm like, I'll be running. I'm like, dude, you're dying. Like, like, what are you doing? Like this is You're probably going too fast. Maybe you need to slow down a little bit. I, I, well, I think people who aren't runners think we're running like for our lives out there. No, I'm just, as long as I'm going forward, I'm good. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. I mean, there, it, it is pace is key, right? Absolutely. You just, you got to learn your pace, your comfort pace. You can work on it and you can get faster by doing like those hard speed runs where you do feel like you're dying. But for the most part, I don't feel like that anymore. I'm just kind of used to it. Have you ever got been coached at all by any running people or been part of groups that, um, you know, have kind of given you some how-to tips or have you just been kind of a YouTube <laughs> learn as you go marathon runner? I'm in a lot of like Facebook groups with other runners. I did like splurge and get a coach once. It's, and it was so funny. And we were just talking about this last night. It just didn't work for me. I just think I'm just self-driven. And so like having this paper telling me to go do something, if, if I don't feel like it, I'm not going to want to do it. So I just like had those feelings of like, oh, they're going to be mad at me. Oh, I'm going to let them down. And it didn't like had the opposite effect. So I kind of like make a training plan when I do a race and I highlight and I just get um, driven by like crossing off each run as I do it. And I just find joy in that, I guess. But a lot of my friends have run coaches. They work great. I'd probably be faster if I had one, but I just kind of am content where I'm at. Yeah. And that's fine. That's important. Um, so let's fast forward now, Boston marathon a couple of weeks ago. And um you like the story is really pretty incredible so first off for people that don't know about the boston marathon you can't just like sign up and run in it right i mean there's one of two ways you can get into the boston marathon tell people about that yeah so in my opinion the boston marathon is like the super bowl of races it's very difficult to get into you either have to be extremely fast which i am not or you have to run for charity and you have to raise a significant amount of money much more than any other races Typically Boston's like 10 to $15,000 you have to raise. This year I actually signed up pretty late and they actually let me only raise like the minimum, which is actually a little bit less because of COVID. Um, so when I had that opportunity, my husband's like, it's now or never like this, you have to do this because 
I think they, they told me I had to raise 5,000, which is way less than usual. And I ended up, I think, raising about 7,500. But um, so it is, it's not easy to get into. It's majority of it are elite runners. Um, and like I said, raising that much money can be challenging. Yeah, for sure. But you raised it for good reason and you ran it for good reason. It was obviously, you know, when you're a marathoner, Boston and New York are bucket list, you know, races if you can get in them. Um, this time around, obviously that was true for you, but also there was more than that in terms of why you ran, right? Yeah. So in October of 2020, one of my coworkers at Southwest Airlines, Natasha Kasich, um, was diagnosed with melanoma and passed away. She very, very fast. She was 31 years old, um, young, beautiful girl. And so I knew kind of when that happened, I was like, one day I want to run a race for Natasha for something to do with melanoma. Again, never thinking Boston. I was actually like leaning toward New York, but um, then I just, it's, it's funny how it happened. The Bills lost in January <laughs> when the Bills lost the game against the Chiefs. I literally was so depressed that day, like the next couple of days. And I was just like, I need something. I need something to like, just, it, it was weird. I love the Bills so much. And so I reached out to this charity at that point. So I, it's almost like a blessing. It was like a silver lining of the, the loss. Um, and that's when they responded. And you can't just like join a charity either. They actually interviewed me. Like I wasn't prepared for that. They were like, okay, we're going to call you for your interview. And they asked you like, how do you plan to raise money? What is, you know, they ask you some hard questions. It was almost like a job interview because they want to make sure that you, you know, follow through. And thankfully they accepted me. And that's when, you know, I began fundraising and, um, you know, went to social media. I went, I actually posted on Twitter once I was accepted, I had to wait till everything was official. And I had posted on Twitter that I was going to be running, you know, for my friend, Natasha and like Bill's mafia on Twitter is just incredible because people started like retweeting and saying Bill's mafia, you know, do your thing. And I couldn't believe it. The donations that were just coming in. I was like, I didn't even know some of the people and I feel bad because I want to thank, I just wish I could thank people individually. And I tried to anybody who I knew, but without Twitter and Bill's mafia, I don't know if I would have raised enough. So I know you did have a, a charging Buffalo on, uh, on your tank that day. Yes. That, and it said, uh, you know, Pancho power who I was friends with Ezra Castro who passed away. And I wore that actually that patch when I uh, ran the Chicago marathon as well, which was right after he had passed away. So I had a patch for Natasha that said Tasha strong and then Pancho power for Ezra. And, yeah. I had to, especially in Patriot country. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. I was like, Go bill. Yeah, we always have to have our bills gear on. And it was so fun when I was running. Well, we can get into it, but people like I'd see someone in a Bills hat and I'd run over and be like, Yeah. Did uh okay. did anybody give you any crap? No, they oh, that's I don't think they hate us. <laughs> well, it's because they dominated us for so long. Yeah, like, eh, yeah. you're a fluke. In time. Yeah. In time, yeah. in time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, so you know you're in you know, you're fundraising. Now you get to Boston, right? Now it's on, it's, it's on game on. Tell us the story about the night before in the morning of, and kind of what you were going through. All right. So arriving in Boston, just like the two days before it's, I was so intimidated because I'm looking at these runners. They are not built like me. I mean, I got some curves and 
they are like lean, you know, the guys that wear the short shorts. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, these are like professionals. I mean, there's like Olympic athletes running this. So I was very intimidated to begin with. Um, and I kept trying to remind myself, like, I'm, I've trained, trust my training, you know, trust the process, all that kind of stuff we say. And the day before, I was starting to not feel good. And I'm like, what is going on? Like, kind of achy, um, little tightness in my chest, which, of course, you're like, oh, better not be COVID. You just don't know. You're kind of getting worried. Um, so I took some mucinite and felt a little better. And then that night, like kind of before bed, maybe around six, I took some more. And then I just did not feel good all night long. <laughs> and as a runner, I don't, I don't mean to be gross, but as runners, we always, there's so many poop stories. When you're a runner, everyone <laughs> has a poop story. So that was my poops all night. I was in the hotel bathroom, like just could not. And I don't know if it was nerves or the mucinex or combination, but I mean, I had eaten around three in the afternoon and then was sick all night long. I never went to bed, like never, ever went to sleep. It just, and so around 6 a.m. I'm getting up to go. I start running at like 11 a.m. That's when the, the race started for me. Sleepless. Um, totally, 100% sleepless. That's crazy. I'm like, kind of like shaking. You know how you just feel like achy and I'm like, I'm so weak. I'm dehydrated. And I'm looking at my husband. I'm like, I don't think I could do this. And he was like, I could, you could tell, like, he didn't want to say the wrong thing. You know how, like, he didn't say anything. Like, I wanted him to be like, you could do it or don't do it. Like, I wanted permission. He wasn't saying a word. And I'm just like, what do I do? So I texted my a friend of mine was also running for charity. And I, you know, I texted my friend, Jen, and I'm like, girl, I've been up all night. I haven't eaten. Like, I don't think I can do this. And they were also doing a news story on me on channel two that night. So I had like so much pressure of like the money that I've raised, um, Natasha's family, this news story that's going to air on channel two that night. Mm -hmm. um, all this stuff I bought, like the jackets, the shirts, like I bought all this merchandise and I'm like, now what do I, you know, what do I do? And so thank goodness for my friend, Jen, she's very level headed. I'm tend to be a little more emotional. And she just said, oh, and I, and not only that, I woke up to like my phone blowing up with like, good luck. You're going to do great. Good luck. You're awesome. And I'm like, like, just felt like the walls were like closing. I was on the verge of like a panic attack. And my friend Jen's like, Jackie, she's like, delete every social media app off your phone right now. And I'm like, and I was almost like a kid. I was like, okay. And so I deleted them all. I, and usually I'm, I'm on my phone a lot. And I deleted everything and she's like, get dressed and come to my hotel and let's get to the start line for Natasha. And that's kind of all I probably needed to hear was like for Natasha. And so I'm like, okay. She's like, at least get to the start line and then you can reevaluate. She's like, I have an emodium at the hotel, <laughs> come here, take that. And so I'm like, all right. And, she, and so, and then my other friend who's also a running coach, she's not mine. She's like, just eat dry. You know, I'm literally eating a piece of white bread, like a bird, just trying to like get something in my body with some Gatorade. And um, so we get to the hotel right near Boston Common. I don't know if you've ever been there, but um, and, okay. So her hotel was like right next to the park. And that's where we had to go get on the buses was at the park. So I'm just like, again, I was just taking things one step at a time. We get to our hotel, we kind of are sitting there just 
relaxing and then we walk to the park and there's all these buses and there's music playing and I'm a nervous wreck. So I'm like, all right, well, let me just get through the bus ride. Cause the bus ride to the start, which is in Huffington is about an hour. So you're on this like yellow cheese school bus for an hour. And I'm like, please don't let me get sick on this bus ride. But I was good. And um, it's funny because of all the people that sit next to me on the bus, this gentleman sits next to me and um, I'm, I'm just sitting there kind of dozing. And then he starts, strikes up a conversation and um he has an accent. And I was like, where are you from? And he's like, Switzerland, which I just went to Switzerland in the fall with my son. So it was like, of all the people in the world, I'm sitting next to somebody from Switzerland. So of course, I'm all excited to tell him about my trip. So I, we were just chatting the whole way. It was almost like divine intervention. It just took my mind off, you know, what was going to happen in the next five hours. <laughs> so we get off the bus and I'm all like, chatty and excited and it was already almost time to go to the start line and so we start walking I'm like I'll go to the bathroom one more time stopped at the port potty and then started went to the start line and it was bam time to go and I just in my head I was like okay I'm going to take it five miles at a time and just kind of reevaluate so I get you know five I I always feel like if I could break it up into fives it doesn't sound as bad as 26.2 miles so I get one fifth of the way done and then I get to about 10 miles and I'm feeling great. It was weird. It was so, it's so weird how good I felt considering, um, get to mile 13 and, or no, it was 14. I had a friend that um, took a train in from New York. So I saw him, he was cheering mile 15. I had another friend cheering. So it was weird. All the people that I knew that were cheering for the race all were in the second half, which I'm, I'm so grateful for. Um, I saw my other friend at mile 17 and he had bread for me. So I at least got some food. And then my husband and my sons were at mile 17, which, no, no, I'm sorry. They were at mile 20 and oh, in Boston, just to talk about the course a little bit, it is so hilly. Like living in Buffalo it is so flat here. And some people are like, it's not that bad. It's all relative. I've learned it's that bad. It was horrible. <laughs> And so they're known for these like Newton Hills in the town of Newton. And they're like just up and down, up and down. And at the final huge hill is called Heartbreak Hill. So you know it's coming and it's at about mile 21. I thought my husband was at the top of Heartbreak Hill. So when I saw him, I'm like, yay, I did it. You know, we're good, we're good. <laughs> and then I, then I continue on. Now I realize, oh no, now I'm on Heartbreak Hill, <laughs> which has that name for a reason. Um, but you know, I got, I got through it and had some friends at mile 24. And then my husband and my son made it again to mile 25, which if you ever know anyone running a marathon and, and you want to cheer for them, it means so much. So I highly recommend, and I think it's fun to spectate. I've watched races too. It's, it's just super inspiring and you see the fast runners, but then you see the ones near the back. I think they need it the most people like me and we really appreciate it. <laughs> So, and then finally, I, I, you know, you make a right on Herf Hereford Street and then a left on Boylston. That's the finish line. And so I saw my husband on Hereford. I don't know if I'm saying it right. And I knew all I had to do was turn that corner and there was the finish. And it was amazing. It, it's, there's really no words to put into the feeling, but I was, I think I was in a state of shock, to be honest. I thought I was going to be crying and like all emotional. I think I was just stunned. I did it just given the circumstance. 
And there was a volunteer right at the finish and she had a baseball hat that said buff on it. And I was like, Buffalo. And she saw my Bills logo and she starts yelling in front of everybody. She's like, hey. And so I'm just like elated. It was so cool. How, how hard was that last mile or was it easy? Last mile was easy. 23 yeah. and 24 were like, we're just, because again, I finished Heartbreak Hill and people told me it was downhill after that. Well, no, there's still like some little ups and downs. So any like up at that point just was like my hamstrings felt like <laughs> like being twisted. At one point on Heartbreak Hill, I actually turned and walked and was walking backwards just to like give my hamstrings a break. <laughs> they hurt so much. I, I can't imagine people who like run that thing so fast. I so much credit to them. Yeah. It, so it, it, you, you oh. cross the finish line. Do you, I mean, was there a, you get on your hands and knees and kiss the ground or was there a, did you collapse and just crumble into a giant pile of mush or like, like what? Oh, it's so funny. It was weird. Well, first of all, I'm approaching the finish line and I'm like running right to my moment. Right. And the guy in front of me literally got on the ground and started like praising the finish line. And I'm like, I almost tripped over him. I'm like, <laughs> what are you doing? So I had to like scoot around him and I was kind of like frustrated. I'm like, what the heck? So I didn't get that finish line photo that I, I dreamed of, but um, I think it was just so happy. You're just kind of, you're, well, for me, I was so exhausted because um, at this point it's like five in the afternoon. I haven't, you know, really eaten except my bread. I was scared to eat anything and, and some Gatorade and, you know, my phone, I have friends, like we had plans to meet at my friend's hotel, the one that was by Boston Commons. So I was like, I'll meet you guys at the hotel. And so I, you know, you get your medal. It's kind of weird because you, you finish and you're kind of just alone in this like runner shoot looking around for anybody to be like, Woo and it, it was really cold. It had gotten really cold at that point. So um, my friend Ray actually was the first person to find me and he had my, my running jacket, which actually I have right here. I had bought this back in February and had been waiting to wear it. So he had my coat for me and I, you know, put on my finisher's jacket proudly and had it with my medal and took some pictures that, and then we all went to the hotel and that's like where my family and my friends, we all kind of reunited there. But looking back on that, like in my imagination, I thought it was going to be this like celebratory great thing, but we were just toasted <laughs> at that point. And finally I was like, can we go back to our hotel? And it's funny. I, I took a bath. I didn't even wash my hair. I was so tired and I got dressed, crawled in my bed and I was out within like two minutes. I was asleep. Like I didn't even get to say goodbye to some people because but I don't care. It was worth it. I yeah. did it again. <laughs> it was just okay. kind of funny. It was like, you, you know, you're expecting this thing and it, it doesn't go the way expected, but it was still so perfect. I, I really wouldn't change one thing about it. Yeah. What's the recovery like? I mean, so, you know, you didn't eat anything. I'm thinking, holy cow, you're going to eat like an 18 course meal when you're yeah. done and, and you're exhausted. So you want right after you do that. You automatically have a food eat. coma. Yeah. yeah. Like I, I just, like we got to the room and my husband like got a burger. Usually I like a good burger after a long run. And I, I was like, I can't eat it right now. And that's when I fell asleep for about two hours. And then I woke up and I just, I still didn't kind of have an appetite. I mean, some people, he said everybody was down, all like the speedy runners were downstairs celebrating and eating. So 
my story's kind of probably a little different, but um, typically like after a race, I can't eat right away, but usually like if I do a marathon, like in Disney or Buffalo, we'll go out to dinner that night and have like a really nice dinner. This one was different too, because it started so late. Like Disney runs start at 5 a.m. I think Buffalo starts around seven. I, I didn't start running till like 1130. So that was, that was intimidating in itself, just trying to like figure out your digestive cycle and how you're going to eat and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I was going to say um, hydration at that point, has got to be insane, especially knowing <laughs> that you're probably driving home the next day and the odds <laughs> of you cramping in the, in the car ride home or like, I mean, the car ride home was so funny. Cause like I was okay. till we got to our driveway and I have teenagers and my son's like, mom, think fast. And he like threw the basketball at me and you, I couldn't even react. The ball just like <laughs> hit me in the chest. He's like, mom, what are you doing? I'm like, I can't move. <laughs> it, it took me a good two days to <laughs> be able to walk. But now I, I'm trying to think about a week later, I went for a run. I went for a run Sunday and really gentle walking, running. And I was okay, like super, super gentle. I just wanted to see how the joints felt and stuff like that. But they usually say like one to two weeks rest. Um, so getting back there, I was going to go run today, but it was snowing and I'm, I refused right. to do that. <laughs> I'm like, I'm done. That was the other thing with Boston, the way it falls in, in April, it's like the worst months to be training for a marathon. So to me, that was probably the hardest part was going out in the, you know, how January, February, March is, it's just. That to me was harder than, than anything. The race itself was so fun. And the crowds there were, I mean, people in Boston are like professional spectators. Like they know how to cheer. They've been, they've been doing it. They do this every year. They're off work. It's Patriots day. So like most places are closed and that's what people do. Their tradition is to go watch. And like, I had something on my shirt that had my name, like a fake race bib. And people were like, Jackie, like, I was like, how do they all, I mean, I know they don't know me, but it was like, I was famous running like, go Jackie. At one point people were like, Jackie, Jackie. Ja and I'm like, thank you. Like I spent most of the race just waving, thanking everybody. That's phenomenal. Yeah. It was so, it was unlike any, anything I've ever experienced. It was so, I, and of course when I finished, I'm like, that's it. One and done for me. I'm like, I don't think I'll ever do this race again. And now, of course, I'm like, how can I make this happen again in my lifetime? I don't know. I don't know if it will, but I can dream a little bit. Sure. And you spoke of tradition, you know, of the Boston Marathon over, what is it, 120 years or whatever it's been going on. Yeah, this know. was 126. Good guess. That was a good guess. Yes. Um, good so whatever. But but speaking of tradition, and it's it was special for you because this one was right the 50th anniversary of the first race where women were able to run in it yeah. right yeah so this year celebrated women being in the boston marathon which um i was thinking 50 years oh that sounds like a while but not really 50 years was 1972 was the first time eight women signed up to run it um and they were you know so it was a great year to be a woman running the boston marathon this year i think i read there was twelve thousand. so the first year had eight eight runners that were women and this year had twelve thousand. so awesome. yeah it's funny if you look back um on the history of running they believe like women couldn't physically do it we wouldn't be able to have children if we ran <laughs> like the mindset was like what is so it's so archaic <laughs> Thank goodness, because I swear running keeps me stable and sane most. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Okay, so so very quickly, uh, obviously Buffalo Marathon's next for you, and then whatever else after that. Um, but just n- now, I'm going to be selfish. So, what do I need to do in, in this head case brain of mine to because stamina is my probably my biggest issue, right? Like I don't I can play basketball for three hours, no problem, up and down the court. Okay, maybe a little bit of a problem. I'm not in that good of shape, but whatever. Um, so stamina running distance for me is is just brutal, and I get to the point where like. This sucks. It, it hurts. It's not fun. Yeah. I'm breathing heavy. I'm going to die. <laughs> so like, talk me through how I can convince myself to be able to do this. Well, start small. Don't jump too high because you're going to get hurt and you're going to get injured. So start, start smaller distances and build it up slowly. Have a great playlist, have some entertainment along the course, have Um, I do like this three mile loop and this two mile loop around my neighborhood so that I can just keep my Gatorade and whatever I need on my front porch. So I don't have to carry everything. So maybe it gets boring, but um, plan for nutrition and fuel and Gatorade. You need that stuff because you're sweating, especially as summer is approaching. You're going to feel like crap if you are dehydrated. So that's, that's the other thing. Um, Maybe start with an app to like sign up. I always say sign up for a race whether it's a 5k, 10k, start up, sign up for something. So you have a goal. Um, and then maybe find like an app or a training plan to try to follow. Um, also, as we're getting older, like I'm 45 now. And so things are going to start hurting maybe more, especially if we have like previous injuries, if we were in other sports. So I really recommend the Jeff Galloway method of running. Um, and some people, maybe don't agree with it, but Jeff Galloway is an Olympian. He's about 80 years old. He's still running half marathon and marathons. Um, I think he was in the Munich Olympics. And so what he does is he does interval running. So he will run and walk, run, walk, run, walk for the whole time. Um, and he'll run for like, and I, I love it only because I feel so much better. If I run nonstop, I feel so like depleted and achy and sore. When I do intervals, I feel so much better and I enjoy it more. So I'll run like 45 seconds, walk 30, run 45, walk 30. And it sounds weird, but my time is actually faster when I do that versus when I run nonstop. So I I always recommend that to people. It just breaks it up. It makes it seem less painful. And um, that's really how I've been able to add distance over the years. Yeah. And then, and obviously find inspiration like you have, um, through, through your friend, uh, if that's, you know, what I, what I could use. Sure. Absolutely. (laughs) Um, well, listen, this was a a great getting together. And the story is remarkable that you were able to do the Boston marathon on basically an empty stomach, which sounds ridiculously, incredibly bizarre, but that would, I don't, I don't know if you're a super athlete or something to be able to do that, but man, no, no. and it's certainly not advisable. I would think. That, no, you know. no, no, it's definitely not <laughs> advisable. I don't know if like, I will give credit to nerves for sure. I think sometimes nerves are a good thing. They yeah. like push you they give you the adrenaline you need something. Cause I was a nervous. <laughs> so <laughs> it worked out in my favor. <laughs> So uh, congratulations again, and, and I you. hope you enjoyed uh, doing a podcast again. Um, and the story is great, and I'm sure, listen, if you're a runner locally and you're watching this, um, I'm sure you're going to see Jackie at the Buffalo Marathon or wherever else, and yeah. um, I hope to do, I've never done the turkey trap before, and I hope to maybe do that this uh-huh. year. That's a great one. That's a yeah. fun race, too. Oh, you should do that one. Yeah, I'll dress up as something. I was going to say, you better dress up, though. That's, that makes right. it even more. Right, 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 right. <laughs> Well, listen, great catching up. Again, incredible story. Um, congratulations on the fundraising and what you did for 
on the memory of your friend and uh, continue success on, on everything you're doing. And obviously uh, in your job and with the kids and hubby and all that yeah. good stuff. Yes. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me and sharing my story. Sure, Congrats absolutely. to anyone that ran it and good luck to everyone running Buffalo too. All right. Thanks again. Good to see you. Thank you.